this is Jessica Schmidt, and this is Disrupt Rochester. We got a new host on the podcast, and so I'm going for a new format tonight. I'll be breaking down tonight's city council decision on the application for demolition of the Kutsky House. If you're not familiar with the Kutsky House and the whole situation surrounding it, here's just a little bit of background for you. Um, in 2014, the developer who was proposing to build apartments within the Kutsky Park neighborhood came before the city council and they requested that they could move the Kutsky House to a new location in order to build on the land that it was currently sitting on. The neighborhood met with the developers in order to figure out the plan for this, and the developers promised that they were going to be preserving the Kutsky House. Fast forward a little bit of time to the summer of 2016, and the neighborhood discovers that the developers have completely removed the roof of the home because the shingles reportedly had asbestos in them. And in the process of them rehabbing this home, they had to take the roof off, which they left open to the elements for over a year. As you can imagine, in Minnesota winters and springs and summers, we get rain, we get snow, we get wind. Um, Basically, the inside of the house is demolished. And one of the terms, if you've become familiar with this story, one of the terms that you hear often is neglect or demolition by neglect. And that is exactly what happened with this home. The developers, though they made promises, they ended up removing the roof and destroying the house to the point at which it can no longer be preserved. And so they've come forward with a request to demolish the house so that they can potentially build on that land or make a parking lot or whatever their plans are. No one really knows. Um, But they've put forward this request to completely demolish the house. And they put in the request um, feedback that they received from a structural engineering company that told them that the house was definitely beyond repair and there was really no way to move forward on preserving it and recouping any of their costs or making any sort of revenue if they decided to go ahead and make it into um, a living option. And a pretty fair criticism has been made about the fact that it was the developers who contacted this company and received this report. So, you know, who's to say what their interest was in giving this report? They may be not unbiased. And the neighborhood has put through multiple requests to bring in their own expert or someone completely unrelated to the situation to give an assessment as to the structural integrity of the home. And that request has gone unanswered. So, Where we are today is um, there have been a number of public hearings, one of which was at the Historic Preservation Committee, um, which looks at old homes and buildings and gives a designation as to whether or not something is worth keeping and preserving by giving it a historic um, building designation. Um, So this issue... The demolition permit came before that committee, and the committee decided to recommend to the city council a denial for demolition because they supported the idea that this was a historic property and they wanted to see the developers hold true to the promises that they had made back in 2014 when they said they were going to rehab this home. So the 
item came before the city council a few weeks ago, and they decided to vote as to whether or not to open it up to a public hearing so that they could once again hear from the public, the neighborhood, the developers about any pros and cons of moving in any direction in terms of approving the demolition. Tonight was that public hearing. Neighbors from Kutsky Park, other people who have an interest in preserving historic buildings within Rochester or who have um, you know, experience and expertise in um, you know, structural engineering and rehabbing homes um, came forward and spoke on behalf of the neighborhood and their view in that this application for demolition should be denied. It was put to a vote initially, <laughs> which um, fortunately, in a strange way, one of the city council members was absent at tonight's meeting. So it was uh, put to a vote. The motion was approved by three votes, which means it was a tie, which means it doesn't move forward for approval. So at that point, we had kind of moved past the immediate danger of this building being demolished and that approval going through with no trouble. If you're at all familiar with Rochester City Council, you likely have noticed a pattern in the voting records of the current and uh, most tenured members of the committee. Um, often you will find that Councilman Hickey, Councilman Ruska, and Councilman Council President Staver uh, tend to vote the same direction. Councilman Wojcik and Campion tend to vote similarly, though not always. Um, Councilman Bilderback often is the swing vote. <laughs> and a new councilwoman, Annalisa Johnson, um, does tend to vote on a more progressive um, direction, um, but sometimes, surprisingly, has cited one way or the other, depending on the issue. And so she was kind of one person uh, that seemed like she could maybe side with the neighborhood, but um, we, no one really knew. Um, and so I think um, we know often that Councilman Wojcik tends to be very vocal about his support in neighborhoods, particularly the Kutsky neighborhood, which is in his ward. Um, and he has spoken out, I think, um, a bit about this particular issue and certainly um, has an interest in holding the developer accountable to the promises that they've made and would like to see um, the neighborhood um, at least have, uh, at least be given some acknowledgement of the fact that they um, approved the movement of the home uh, with the promise of this being preserved. And I think like a lot of us, um, he also has been vocally very disappointed in the developers. So it was not a um, question as to how uh, Michael Wojcik would be voting tonight. And um, although um, Councilman Campion does tend to vote um, on a more progressive level, um, you know, it, it can be maybe he felt like there was no other option in this particular situation, but to go with the demolition. And so, you know, I think he could have very easily voted in favor of it, but surprisingly he didn't. And he had some very interesting things to say. Talk about, um, 
demolition through neglect, uh, there is intent. You pull the roof off of a structure and leave it open. It does not take... I'm wearing my NASA socks tonight. Many of you can't appreciate that, but it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out what happens when you pull a roof off a building and you leave it open to the elements. I I just am... I think what we should do is deny this and tell the applicant to return to us with a plan that shows how they're going to fill the public void that they've left here. They made a promise before us the night that this was approved. They're not living up to it. Come back with something that shows some modicum of uh, understanding of what it does to the public trust when you make a promise and you don't deliver it. That is the minimum we should expect. But there's no plan. I just want to stop here and say that is not very often at our city council meetings that those in attendance feel compelled to applaud after a city council person has spoken. But you can really see um, Councilman Campion's emotion and passion in what he has to say. And um, it is refreshing, uh, to say the least. There's no plan. Uh, It's... uh... It's truly be below this body, frankly. I expect when people are up here, I want to be able to take them at their word. I think that it's disappointing that we're even having the discussion about codifying every promise because we shouldn't be operating at that level. I know there's a building community out there that doesn't want to operate at that level. I know that there's developers out there that don't want to operate at that level. But what they're signing the entire council up and all developers for Every time you say something, I'm going to turn to the attorney and go, can you write that into the development agreement? Can you write that into the development agreement? And at the end, we're going to make you sign it, everything that you say. And is that going to make development better? I mean, I think we have to really ask ourselves, is that the best we can do? We did the easy part, which is writing the ordinance. This is the hard part. We have to call people on the mat for not living up to it. So I realize that's uh, probably not what everyone was expecting, but I, I think that we need to start holding people accountable. One of the primary complaints that often gets lobbed at the more progressive city council members and some very outspoken community activists in Rochester Um, comes from the development community and the builders community. And that often um, ties into what is perceived as a very difficult and arduous process for proposing development in Rochester. And You know, regulations in development, um, regulations in government um, is something that conservatives and those who, um, you know, want to see less government involvement in things like development always push for. They want to deregulate, deregulate. Um, And here we have a situation where the developer was not overregulated. The developer came forward and suggested and proposed and promised the preservation of this home. And the city simply now, as proposed by Councilman Campion, should be holding the developer accountable. 
And I think he has a really great argument here when he says, is allowing this to happen going to make things easier in terms of development going forward in Rochester? Our city is growing. Destination Medical Center is on the precipice of supposedly bringing in all this growth and development. And so these kind of proposals are going to be coming before the city council, um, if not on a regular basis, it's going to be ramping up. And do we want to set a precedent for developers where the city council is going to have to hold them accountable for every single thing they say and get that in writing and hold them legally bound to that? What Campion is saying here is we should not have to do that. That should not be the level that this municipal body functions under, that when someone promises something, they need to be held accountable and they need to follow through with it. And as soon as you let that slip through, it's going to steamroll into something that begs to be overregulated. As expected, um, Council President Staver was in favor of approving the application for demolition. And although he does, in his comments, give some credence to uh, the fact that the developers made a promise that they haven't followed through with, uh, he maintains that um, the home should be demolished, and he puts a lot of stock in the report that's been provided in that application that came from you know, who knows, a, a, a potentially very biased, um, potentially uh, motivated through self-interest um, company who put a rubber stamp on saying that the home is not worth preserving at this point. And um, yet again, I think Rochester should be very disappointed um, in Councilman Staver in that It seems as though, regardless of the actual situation at hand, um, he tends to side with developers more often than not. And I don't think anyone intends to paint developers as evil or as really even like this one big, you know, monstrous group that all thinks the same, um, because certainly um, that is not the case, as we've seen with some very successful projects that have come through um, from some very wonderful developers. Um, but it just occurs to me time and time again that he does not side with the neighborhoods. Um, and it, it's very disappointing, uh, particularly in this situation, because I know that during the last election season, um, this particular issue was brought forward to him in a number of debates and discussions um, where he had the opportunity to weigh in on it. And his response pretty consistently was, yeah, I don't really know what's going on with that. I'll need to look into it. And despite being given uh, a lot of evidence that the house was being neglected and it was going to be in disrepair, if not then, pretty soon, um, there seemed to be really no action taken on that. During the election, um, within the opposing campaign, uh, we often referred to wanting to see someone in that position that was more proactive 
And this is exactly what we were talking about. When Randy Staver was presented with evidence and was compelled by some people in the neighborhood to do something about this problem, he didn't. He didn't contact the developers. He didn't notify city staff of the issue. He just didn't do anything. And, you know, granted, hindsight's twenty twenty, but that was a year ago from now that this was being discussed at those events. Um, now, you know, I, I'm not... I'm not a Pollyanna enough to be able to say that if he had done something at that time that we wouldn't be here where we are today. That house was already neglected enough to where, you know, probably the developer still would be claiming at that time that they couldn't rehab the home. But had he been proactive and taken the initiative to do something about this issue that was being brought before him repeatedly, who knows where we would be today. And yet today, his comments are, well, hear them for yourself. There's no one here that that enjoys the position we're in. Absolutely. None of us wanted to see this happen. We're missteps made. Absolutely. We, we didn't uh, appropriately codify things. Um, clearly, some comments were made during public discussion. Those were not reduced to writing or an agreement of any form. Uh, hence, regrettably, they're, they're really unenforceable. Uh, I think that there was some due diligence uh, conducted here. Uh, Mr. Hickey read the uh, summary of the 106 report, which did not find this particular structure particularly um, historically significant. Which, by the way, Councilmember Hickey voted against the report that he is referencing. The uh, developer did engage a structural engineer from Structural Service and Design, Inc., and that is part of where their report came from that indicated the need to uh, additionally support some of the joists and structural elements and put in tie cables and things of that nature. And, and, and I think fundamentally as well, I think it's important to note that... that uh, I don't think I think there everyone went in with the best of intentions. I don't think there was malice or 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 something of that nature intended here. I'll direct you to Councilman uh, Campion's comments about his NASA socks. <laughs> um, he said it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that when you take the roof off a house in Minnesota that you are essentially opening it up to neglect and demolition by neglect. I do know that the structure was moved in its entirety onto the, uh, the new foundation. Um, then as they began to strip away the walls and discovered some of the structural elements, I, I believe they, uh, the developer reached a conclusion that said, this is way more than we expected. Um, it's cost prohibitive and, and now they had a, uh, an issue on their hand. Now one of the things that I do agree is that we need to take some action that would prevent this from happening in the future. I know that staff has already been working on um, uh, enhancing the ordinance and being more definitive in terms of what is demolition by neglect, and then perhaps more important, what are the repercussions if you uh, are shown to uh, conduct demolition by neglect. 
I would also, rather than form a new group, though, I would say that the Heritage Preservation Committee is in the best position to oversee that further enhancement of the ordinance rather than appointing a new group. So here we are. So we have a structure, and it's in its current state, and we know that it was in a better state in days and years gone by. But I think the action in front of us, in my opinion, is appropriate. It's a building that is regrettably beyond a state of repair or saving in this case. So his comments are very meh. You know, just rehashing again the fact that, you know, oh, well, we should have done something, but we didn't. But we should be doing something soon. So there you go. Let's hope he does do something soon. Let's hope that they do put together something that can hold developers accountable to these kind of promises in the future. I will stay positive and hope that that happens. Now, there's one last thing from the meeting that I thought was really interesting that I want to play. At the end of the meeting, they took the vote to Councilman Campion's suggestion of denying the um, request for demolition due to the applicants. Um, they worded it in a certain way, but basically what they said was the applicant did not show uh, necessary information to warrant demolition, which what he really wanted was for them to be able to come back and say, we want to demolish it because we want to do this, this, and this. And he wants them to come back and show what they plan to do for the neighborhood, for the public, um, in lieu of preserving this home. Um, and so they voted on that, and it was approved because uh, Councilman uh, Bilderback, Campion, Wojcik, and Councilwoman Johnson voted for it. Now, after the vote was over, there was some dialogue between Council Members Hickey and Staver and Councilman Campion regarding what comes next. And I found it really interesting because essentially what they were trying to do was kind of back Campion into a corner to say what happens next. And I thought his response was great. And I really loved Councilman Wojcik's interjection. And you'll catch that at the end. Paul, question. The motion is to deny based on uh, the language that the city attorney uh, suggested. Uh, all in favor, indicate by saying aye. Aye. Any opposed? Good. Nay. I show the motion passing 4-2 with Mr. Hickey and myself voting nay. Is that accurate? All right. So just so that we're clear, um, what happens next? What do you want? What happens next? Each one? For the permit? Yeah. What Plus happens nine? nine? I, I realize that, but... This is a hypothetical... the structure just sits there. Yeah. Yeah. Until they can show us how they're going to preserve it or meet the expectations we had before, I you can't make them preserve it. It's not in the ordinance. We can make we can uh, hold them accountable to the promises that they made here. Point point of order. There's no motion on the floor. All right. I wish you could see 
Hickey's face in that moment. If you have an opportunity to watch the video, you really should. But when he says, you can't make them preserve it, it's not in the ordinance. It was like a teenage girl speaking, coming out of him. It was very bizarre. But um, Nick is right. Uh, Council member Campion is right. Now, going forward, what happens? Nothing. The house continues to sit there until the applicant comes back with a better request that contains what they're going to do in lieu of preserving this house. They promised the neighborhood that, and they're going to have to come back and show what they're going to do by not going through with their promise. And if you caught Wojciech's comment at the end, uh, what he said was that there was no um, motion on the table. And so basically they were debating something and there, there was no debate to be had. There was no motion on the table, um, which I thought was a really, really smart way of basically saying, shut up, <laughs> we're moving on. <laughs> that was pretty good. So in the words of Staver and Hickey, where do we go from here? What happens now? <laughs> well, like I said, the house is going to just sit in the state that it's in. They can't demolish it. They don't have approval for that. So they're going to have to reapply, and um, that will be allowed. Now, as always, (laughs) there is one thing that can still happen to allow for the demolition of the house without them reapplying, and that comes down to Mayor Ardell Brady. He can veto this decision. And in the case of a veto, the motion will come back before the council and it requires a five-person vote out of seven for the veto to be ignored, basically, and for the request for demolition to be denied as it was tonight. So although the mayor can do that, um, tonight we had four votes on uh, denying and having the applicant come back. So they would need one more person, and so they would need a vote from Staver, Hickey, or Vruska. And I just don't see that happening. So if the mayor vetoes this, it's going to be a big deal. If he vetoes this decision, um, you're going to hear about (laughs) You're going to hear about it from the neighborhood, um, and it's going to be... um, I think, an issue that carries forward um, in the minds of a lot of voters uh, in the next election season. The mayor is up for re-election, but he has not indicated as to whether or not he plans on running again. Um, He is already over his uh, not mandatory term limits. And let's be honest, um, we need somebody new and fresh in that position. And um, if, if this veto comes to fruition, I think that's as clear of evidence as one can get that it's time for a new mayor. Um, and uh, I think we can also say the same thing about some of the wards that are up for re-election this year. Um, you know, I think it's time to have a progressive majority in the city council so that things like what happened tonight don't have to be um, finagled and um, figured out uh, in the spur of the moment. Um, and thankfully, it, it was figured out, but that's not always going to happen. And if we can get more progressive and frankly, a more set of um, diverse uh, people on our city council, I think we will see 
um, decisions being made that reflect what we want the city to become. Speaking of what we want things to become, um, there are some ideas that I have about this podcast. And um, obviously, I don't plan on spending every episode uh, babbling on about the city council meeting or decisions being made at the city council meeting. Um, But I think um, bringing forward some of the decision making process that goes into some of these situations that come before the council um, is something that I would like to focus on occasionally. Um, I also plan on doing some interviews. And um, one of the topics that I look forward to speaking about very soon is um, something I alluded to tonight, which is the elections um, for 2018. Uh, we have our mayor, we have three city council seats, we have um, the county board seats. Um, and I think that um, putting together um, opportunities and resources for people to feel more comfortable with um, trying to run for elected office is a goal that um, I have. And I think a lot of people are pretty um, kind of fired up about politics right now, uh, likely because of what's happening on a national level, but certainly we've seen some decisions being made at the city level that, um, you know, were disappointing. And I think, you know, people just want to see a different set of voices sitting at the table. And um, I'd like to uh, bring some people on to talk to about how to make that happen. And uh, I really look forward to that conversation. If you have any ideas of what you'd like to see covered in this podcast, let me know. And that's it for this week. Thanks.